from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello and welcome along to chapter 440 of What's the Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray. And alongside me, as always, is the wonderful Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello, Danny. How are you? Great. Very good. Brilliant. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. We're coming to you from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel. <laughs> starting to mimic our intro. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Starting to mimic our intro. Um, Fitzpatrick'sCastle.com celebrating 45 years in the border. Well, soon to be 45 years. I think about 40 days away from it or so. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, on our Facebook page, I started to plug memories from down the years. It's like, it's like reeling in the years with Fitzpatrick's Hotel. On the Facebook page? Yeah, on the Facebook page. Brilliant. They, had a, they had a post up during the week about a, a famous dog they used to have. Lady Joan, I think, was her name. And the dog? The wolfhound or something that was a pet. Ah, yeah. Have, yeah, the family that. used to have. an Irish wolfhound. I think it was an Irish wolfhound. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. People love the wonderful and fabulous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel. But Lady Joan, I think, was the name. Lovely photo over out on the front steps of the main entrance there deadly 45 years was this old. actually a castle before it was a hotel yeah or it was built for the purpose built hotel um i don't know actually i know there used to be stables and like a stable yard and all that and they converted them into rooms originally and then they kind of took part of the castle renovated that and done it bit by bit wow well sure now it's an award-winning establishment yeah. one of the finest establishments <laughs> in all the land might i add so yeah, 45 years of supporting the borough and giving people of the borough a place to come and say, you know what, things are going to be alright. Yeah. Lord. You have your nuptials here. I might do. When no, I, that's when what they're saying to the people. Oh, right. I thought you were saying, <laughs> saying to me. I was like, I haven't <laughs> even popped the question yet, Graham. Say, I'm not going to put pressure on you, Dan. I'm getting pressure from elsewhere. I don't need it from you. <laughs> put a ring on it. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'm not saying any that. exclusives. I'm not gonna Are you leaving that with okay? I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm probably going to go RTE guide. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not saying I'm going to do it like today or tomorrow, but I suppose eventually isn't that the, the aim of the game, so to speak? Don't know. For some people, other people are quite happy and content. They don't need a piece of paper to tell them that they're in love. Yeah, yeah I don't know. A lot of people are going for the actual ceremony in the hotel these days as well, aren't they? Instead oh, I'd be of doing that myself. I'd be going for church. I was going to say, I'd be going for the civil partner. <laughs> <laughs> the civil union. <laughs> you and I. Yeah, yeah, deadly, wouldn't it? Rainbow cake. Uh, I'd love a rainbow cake. What's the word I'm looking for? Not civil union. What am I? What's. Uh, it probably is civil partnership, isn't no, it? No, not the church wedding. What's Registry. the one? Registry. Yes, thank you. Registrar thank or you. register. Registry. The registry, thingy majiggy. Mm. Who's you what's it? Yoke my bab. <laughs> thingy majig. Watch him a call. The watch him a call. those t shirts, you see that? Thingy majiggy. Watch him a call. There's a website where they have all those Irish signs and t shirts. Is there? Yeah, watch him a call it and thingy majig. Hairy ba- ba- baby. A hairy baby. Yeah, yeah, they do wear a lot of father Ted t shirts. Yeah, so. yeah. There you go. Rip off, actually. I suppose. Look, they're just taking the words of other people and putting them on a t-shirt. Yeah, they? and they're selling them for about 35 euro. Yeah. Wait till you hear about this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'll have an entire new range. <laughs> what would your sayings be? Oh, oh uh, what's the one you always I'd, say? I'd agree with you to a certain extent. Yeah, I'd agree with you to a certain extent. What is it you always say when I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct about things? If I'm trying to explain something, I'm like, 
not do you get me? I say something else other than do you get or do you understand or something. I can't remember what I say. What do I don't say anything, do I? No, you're uh, you're perfect. You've no bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> you always say when you interview someone when we do the Skype interviews. Yeah, you always do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I do. Yeah. So the T-shirt. Yeah, Absol- absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and just me on the back with a big smile. <laughs> thumbs two up. thumbs up. Deadly. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what that has to do with our plug for. Just a tangent. But that's what that's it's all about. Good, a good tangent. A good, a good positive atmosphere. That's what you get up here. Yeah. Um. Actually, just on the, the history, the whole thing, the dungeon, Baron and Grail, was one of the first parts that opened as well. It was the what, first spot? One of the first parts that opened. Oh, really? Yeah. So, do you know how weird I was going on about how good it is and all that? Yeah. It's because it's steeped in tradition. <laughs> you see a sports bar, didn't it? No, they used to have a part in it where they had like a big screen where you could watch sport. Okay, so it wasn't but a designated sports bar? Well, I don't know, maybe for the hotel it was. Yeah. But they, like, you can still watch sport and all down there, as you can in other parts of the hotel as well. But like, yeah. yeah, we got a little bit of a kind of facelift a couple of years ago, I guess. And uh, it looks great down there, it's lovely. There's, there's more space to actually sit and enjoy now. I haven't been in it in years. Unbelievable spot, I love it. Um, we'll go down after this. I might treat you up sometime. <laughs> treat me to before our civil union actually yeah do you know what <laughs> yeah, I'll treat you to before I treat you to we actually don't need to get a civil union anymore we can get married because of my 23rd last year yeah that's true I mean you could actually get married you wouldn't need to uh, wouldn't need to go through the whole civil thing we're just the same as any other couple imagine we get married in Vegas for the crack deadly wouldn't it yeah what would happen unbelievable like? we'd have to get Elvis to marry us <laughs> in the little white chapel the little white chapel down that bloody street where that bloody what was that place we went? Pawn's there shop. Oh the, pawn, the pawn shop. That's on the same street in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, like. That was the... You can check out uh, chapter 189 for that. Yeah. Back in the day when me and Graham were in Vegas. Disaster. That was a fun podcast. You, you, watch, you watch all those programs with the little white chapel and the pawns there. And, you and they look like they're in the street. heart of the action. They're in the heart of the action. They're not. They are no. in their whole... Tax driver didn't even know where we were going. It's like going from uh, Bray, say. Bray... Main Street, mate. No, do you know what? So we got into nearly Main Street to sell you noggin <laughs> of a walk, like. Yeah, yeah. That's probably. Do you know what it's I mean? worse than that. Probably is worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think <laughs> with with all the Irish gone over to Vegas the last eighteen months? Do you think yeah. any lads did actually get married for the crack? I would not be surprised. <laughs> um, I I think there's a lot of Ireland that has been left in Las Vegas. <laughs> Rar. In in, in in numerous ways. Yeah. But we'll keep this PG. That rar was rotten. Sorry I did that, lads. It's okay, man. Could have been worse. You could have been. <laughs> you can't do that, can't, man. Can you not? Know? You can't pour. <laughs> Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> that clip. Oh, my God. <laughs> the clip. Oh, there's a can't clip. Can't even talk about it. Can't, it's not PG at all. There's no. a clip going around. It's a woman's coy It's a woman's coy <laughs> even. And Graham, That's would, all you, you, need to would know. you mind if it's sound effect again for me? If that rings a bell, tweet us and let us know at WTS Pod. Um, yes, anyway, Graham, chapter yeah. 40. Yeah. We're clocking up the episode. So is that an anniversary? 40th anniversary? I don't know. <laughs> I would have thought 50 is. If yeah, I'm but every 10, though. Is it? I don't know. I suppose, yeah, if you want to, because we've got a great guest this week, so we can claim that it's the marker for it's the end, exactly. <laughs> 40 and um, 50, it's like every show is a milestone. Yeah, exactly. with, with the content we put out. Especially with the recent ratings and recent. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, everybody. Really, really appreciate the support and the love that you've given us. Um, yeah, I don't expect it, and then boom. 
Yeah. You send a text saying, oh my God, look at this. It's yeah, like, holy it's, crap. That's only after I've gone down and shoved me laptop, screamed me ma's face and said, see, I told you I did mount to something. <laughs> the hell what she say? <laughs> She's like, get out of my face and stop eating biscuits, you. <laughs> <laughs> what so, biscuits are they though? Uh, chocolate digestives. I love a good biscuit. I love a chocolate digestive. Um, I had a cup of tea yesterday. And, um, was it was yesterday? Cup, during the week, I had a cup of tea yeah. in Shane Fitzpatrick's gaff. And there was tea cakes and there was cookies. Shane. Maryland cookies. Shane, oh, avid listener, listener of the show. He makes a great cup of tea. It does be boiling hot for about three days. Oh, listen, I remember the tea Shane used to make back when we worked in St. Lawrence College together. Really? Oh, you just cleaned the school, didn't you? He did, yeah. He made a great cup of tea. Where would you just have a cup of tea? Just in the staff room. Really? You've got a break. A5, yeah. It's only worked for the half an hour. How dare you? How very dare you? <laughs> How long did you just work for? Um, I think he used to do it in ticks, and I think a tick was an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. And then on a Friday, you'd work from 3 o'clock till 7 o'clock with a half hour break. But during the summer, you'd come in at 8 and go home at 4. Like you'd, you'd do a full day's work. You'd be cutting the grass and painting and... Furnishing the, the wood and the sports hall and all that. No way. Waxing the wood and waxing the corridors and... Making new doors for the school and all. We never made new doors, no. Jerry. Although we was involved with a building of a prayer room. Yeah. Yeah, myself, Scott Keaton and Craig Farrell. Building of a prayer room. And what used to be AA10. Really? People didn't go to Lawrence as having a breeze at weird. No, <laughs> no, no. But the school we yeah. used to uh, attend, Danny used to clean. And used to get paid yeah, a, a little fortune. <laughs> my first job. <laughs> was, man. It was cash in hand as well. It's all gone now. They when, don't do when, it anymore, so the tax man can't get us. When did you... Uh, how old were you when you started doing that? In, in, like, second, in second year. So what, about 13, 14? I think my brother did it actually as well when he was in fifth and sixth year. Ah, it was handy. It was great. I think he did it with Shane Fitz's brother, Carl Fitz. Maybe. It's great. And it used to be whoever was the senior worker. So that was there for whoever was there. Like Mikey Duffy yeah. was the senior worker when I was there. You got to do the canteen. So it was a little bit of a handy number. Right. Because, you know, you didn't have to, like, hoover all the classrooms and all that, like. Yeah. But there was this big thing about being the senior worker. Right. So if Brother Fred and Al were gone, you were in charge and the keys are left to you, they'd be ruptures. Would they? <laughs> Great crack all together. And the brothers ever take you out or anything like that? Yeah. For the we, job well done? Oh, yeah. You used to get, like, a... You used to have a little Christmas party. Yeah, courtesy of Brother Fred and Brother Jerry. Or did he give you any fisherman's friends? Uh... <laughs> Your fisherman's friends, yeah. Uh, Burnt the mouth off me in first year. Yeah. Little twelve year old getting fisherman yeah. friends go away. Um, yeah, it was great. I have to say, it was great, and you kind of helped you as well because he gave you a bit of cop on. Do you yeah. know what I mean? so Responsibility with money and all that. Wouldn't say that. I <laughs> got paid of a Friday. Went down to Dunleary of a Saturday, and it was gone. <laughs> and McDonald's. What do you say? <laughs> music City, Golden Bur- Discs, McDonald's. Burger King, yeah, Burger King. Um, oh, Music City. Mm. Still love going to Music City. Um, but yeah, that was. There you go. That's a blast for me. It's a bit of nostalgia for people who haven't a clue about my childhood. How did we get into that? Oh, Shane's oh, cup, cup of tea. Yeah. Makes a great cup of tea, but it does yeah. be roasting off for about three days. Yeah. But yeah. once you get going, slowly. Great guy. A few dippies. Great guy. Tea cakes yeah. he had, yeah. See, like his mother, Mary Fitz. Tunnock's tea cakes. Caffrey's. Oh, I'm a Tunnock's man. Oh, sensational. At Christmas time, a few Tunnock's tea cakes. He had, while well, I had a cup of tea, he had, um, I like sweet potato fries from uh, Eddie Rockets or the counter or anything like that. Right. But he got them, or his mother got them uh, frozen. Like frozen sweet potato fries where you just put in the oven. Yeah. And I was co- I was comprehensive. I was like, uh, they're not going to, is comprehensive mm. the right word there? 
Say it in sentence that you're using again. I was apprehensive, I supposed to say. I was thinking I was comprehensive. You, I was you comprehensive. Were, you were understanding of... Absolute cabbage. Right. So you were, you were apprehensive. I was apprehensive about uh, how, how they would taste, because I tried to make sweet potato fries when I was at home. Yeah. And they always go all real soft and gooey and all that, but he had them. Parboiled them first, that's the trick. Yeah, but he had them just out of the pack, and they were lovely, they were crispy and all. Yeah. Lane, what's the nutrition... L- Lindsay? 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 Lindsay. We can talk about food and how we like without getting a dig in the face now. Oh, I had the Teddy's yeah. during the week as well. Hashtag don't tell Lindsay. Hashtag, hashtag don't tell Lindsay. Teddy's yeah. do um, audio sprinkles now. Oh. Yeah. It's deadly. Good Lord. Yeah, it was lovely. Teddy's ice cream was lovely. Yeah, I... I wouldn't queue for that Scrum Diddley's place just for... Well, now, hang on, right, because... What I've never had it, so I can't judge you. Well, what I was going to say was, Teddy's is, like, the classic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like a good point of Guinness. It's the classic. Okay, that's where fair. Is, where the Scrum Diddley's is, you know, after a couple of points of Guinness, you might get adventurous and decide, you know what, I'm going on the shorts. Yeah. So you might go mad and have a Jaeger bomb. <laughs> you might go mad and go up to Scrum Diddley's. Exactly. <laughs> that's... That's the equivalent. So Teddy's, Teddy's is your classic quintessential point of Guinness. And then Scrum Deadly's is when you go on a mad one and you say, yes, Jaegers. And you get a, the Frero Roche Nutella melt thing. That oh. What do you mean melt? They melt the Frero Roche Nutella. On ice cream? Uh, they melt it and put it into the ice cream. And it's so rich and gooey and chocolate saucy. And oh my Lord. It's just... See, I, I'd never queue. We went, I went down there a few times and there was queues. I was like, yeah, I'm not queuing. Yeah. So I just got in. We'll bring you down sometime and I'll queue with you. Right, and I'll wait in the car. Yeah, that's a deal. deal. Yeah, I'm willing to do that. It's so much I love you. Yeah. Nice um, what are we talking about? Shane Fitz making a cup of tea. That's right, we've gone off on a couple of times. Shane Fitz cup of tea, Shane Fitz sweet potatoes. We are 14 minutes in and we've gone off on three tangents already. <laughs> All right, you can stick I, to the programme. I fear for our guest this week. <laughs> Um, just yeah obviously look we just seems as though Lindsay's not here as well as Lindsay Doyle PT <laughs> and uh, you can check check out all what she's up to don't tell her what we're eating you takes yeah don't t- look just you know go onto our Facebook or onto our Twitter and just say like you still love her or whatever but don't be ratting us out for eating spice, ba- or spice bags and butter burgers and well Roma's gone R.I.P. R.I.P. Roma did you eat all them chips there did you <laughs> <laughs> Smell of salt and vinegar in the studio. <laughs> don't like vinegar. Do you know? I don't like, no, I'm just a salty. You just get salt. Do you not find that make you very thirsty? Yeah, so a bottle of water with it. Have a mouth like or if Gan- it's a Freud, have a can of Coke. A mouth like Gandhi's flip-flop on you afterwards, no? No. <laughs> <laughs> Diet Coke, or Coke Zero, actually. Why would you be getting... Don't get Diet Coke. I was going to say, why would you get that awful oh, thing? Don't have Remember the super-sized emails and McDonald's are available, and you'd have loads of... Loads of loads of girls and lads getting like a super sized meal and with a diet coke. coke. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. I find that hilarious now with the Euro server menu. Uh, I'll have a Big Mac meal, two double cheeseburgers and six nuggets, please. Uh, do you want to drink with that? Uh you better give me a diet coke. Eh? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I'm watching me figure. <laughs> How is your figure going? There's a lot of people complimenting yeah. you on your fresh look and your Facebook profile. Yeah, yeah. I don't see it though. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> Cut to the bone. <laughs> Only joking. You put me down last week. What's this now? This two weeks in a row now you're trying to <laughs> trying to hurt me, Graham. 
How is it though? Oh On God. a serious note. I can't wait to go to sleep and I shave your beard off. <laughs> People think you're a 12 year old. <laughs> they will. It's going, yeah, it's going well. Um, challenges? Challenges are, 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 as always, just kind of a bit of difficulty with the knee, bit of difficulty scheduling, all that, making time. But if, even if you don't train, like, what is your food like? Is it, are you always trying to be behaving your food? It's a million times better than it was, definitely. But you're still being bold a bit sometimes? I don't know. Like, lunches and work are where I fall down, I would say. Because, because of the canteen? Partially because of the canteen and partially because, uh, like today, for example, um, I forgot my lunch. Like, I go to the effort of making a lunch of a Sunday night mm. and then uh, I leave it in the fridge. And I get into work and I'm like, oh crap. So, you know, yeah. we'll just have to have whatever's on offer on the day. Like, which, like they do have a healthy, a healthy option, but I tend to find that most health food, like stuff that's specifically designated as health, the low calorie health option, it tends to taste like balls. <laughs> <laughs> so it's no good to man or beast. Do you know what I mean? I don't believe there's anybody in the world out there who enjoys salmon with chive and dill. Salmon, mm. fish cakes. No, salmon, oh, with salmon. Choi- salmon with chive and dill dip and some sort of quinoa or some hippie nonsense. Like, no, nobody can enjoy that. You're eating a grain for the start and you're eating a fish. And the grain that you're eating has come from somewhere in South America that poor fella's fingertips are bleeding to bits because they have to harvest it for you. Because four years ago, nobody had heard of quinoa and now it's the in thing. I don't know what it is. It's like rice only shit. It's like couscous. Little bit. It's like it's a bit larger than couscous. <laughs> larger yeah. than couscous. Yeah, because I like couscous. Oh, the grains. Yeah, 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 yeah. Couscous is nice. I had it. Who's not fiddling, will you? What do you have to do to yourself? I don't know. It's grand. It's all right. Are you all right? Is it the wire? Is it? Here, look. Yeah. Come on now. It's caught in me chair, man. No, it's caught underneath your mic. Don't worry. Here, look. So, sorry for breathing. Um, sake. Couscous is delicious with a, like a salad, like. I love a bit of couscous. What I actually do with couscous is I actually uh, do it. I just whack it into the wok when I'm doing a store fry. Oh, lovely. And I fry the couscous. It's unbelievable. What's the story of the nutrients of couscous? Are you allowed to have it? Oh, like, I would Lindsay have, have allowed it? Haven't a clue. Could have the nutrients of a sock. I don't care. Trust <laughs> the nutrients <laughs> of a sock. It fills out my dinner. <laughs> it's better than ringing manly. Exactly. I was going to say, it's not chips and it's not mashed potato. So. But you're, are, you, are you monitoring your weight these days? or? Yeah, look, I'm not... Like I said before, like I'm not. You had the target for a Mark Brock's wedding. Yeah. So it went downhill a bit after that, did it? I, over the Christmas, after Brock's wedding and after, and over the Christmas, I decided I was going to have one last hurrah, essentially. Um, did you see the film Last Vegas? Yeah, I did. Where all the old lads going Samuel a mad one. Samuel all. Yeah, well I let the fatty. Oh, no, sorry, Morgan Freeman. Well I let the fatty in me going on a mad one. Right. Over the Christmas. Um, but. <sighs> back in, it's hard to get back on track, isn't it? It's not as hard as I thought, though. All right. Like, I thought that I'd be back to loads of takeaways and loads of crap and loads of... You went for five takeaways, sometimes six. A week? A week. Yeah. To what now? Maybe two a, one, a month, maybe. Two a month? Two, two or three a month, Jesus yeah. wept. Um, Fair play. Like, it's just, like, small little changes like that are what make the difference, and... Yeah, for Brock's wedding and, and that, I had a goal. But now I'm more so just kind of like... Healthy living. I'd rather just get somewhere. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just enjoying the journey. Yeah. Lindsay would have loved that quote. <laughs> enjoying the journey. You you just looked at me, but Lindsay, Lindsay would have stood up and applauded that quote. <laughs> she'd be eating tears. She's only... Like, she'd only be too delighted because she knows she's the one that's driving the car on this journey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stop it now. 
But yeah, no, look, it's it's going well. It could always go better, but it could be going a lot worse. Mm. Um, it, the weight is coming off slowly, but I'd rather see it come off slowly than see me drop, you know, four and a half ton. And have a life. And yeah, and then the second I change something, put six and a half ton back on, and people will think that I've escaped Sea World. <laughs> you know? They'll be like, look, there's your man from, there's your man from Blackfish, Tillicum, is it? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm never wearing this black hoodie again. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh like, s- small, manageable changes, and I'm getting there. We need to get better with maybe the, the lunches. Um, and we could probably do with maybe not having a wisp at three o'clock over Tuesday oh. and Wednesday on my break. Oh, it's all coming out now, isn't it? <laughs> they put a new vending machine in at work. Snacky Chan, we've christened it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great old no great. Or Ca- Captain Snack Sparrow. There's another one beside it. Really? So that's we've named the two of them. Snacky Chan and Captain Snack Sparrow. There's healthy options in them as well, isn't there? Treble Crunch? Uh, no, there's no Treble Crunch, but there is like protein bars and there is like... Oh, they taste like... Oh, they're wrong. They taste like Bigfoot's dick. They're, they're no good for you either though. Lindsay, <sighs> tell, not, li- Lindsay tell you, like they're no good for you, those protein no, bars. Exactly, yeah. they're go- she has them in her, in her car... Um, in the case of an emergency, I, was gonna, I, I would imagine that. Now she's ripped to bits, and she lives. She's a tank, she's a beast. She, and her other half, Austin, like they, they, uh, how he was, how he They religiously, like yeah. you know, live by what they preach. Yeah, and fair play to them. But she's always said about protein bars that yes, she has the odd one, but it's purely just emergency. Yeah, it's mad. Like in case of like. It's better to eat a protein bar than it is to eat a Snickers. Where I'm like, no, Snickers are great. I think I would rather eat one wisp and not eat another one for two weeks than get to eat four protein Could bars. Could you go two weeks without eating a wisp? Right now, no, I couldn't because I've just changed jobs and the stress levels are through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to deal with you taking me down on a weekly basis now. <laughs> so but you just get comforted with a wisp? Yeah, I got home and I cry into my pillow with melted chocolate and wisp all over my face. Wake up the next morning and wash it off and pretend it never happened. A bit like when you've had a one night stand. <laughs> <laughs> Rather you just oh, got a man. jar of Nutella and need some bre- breadsticks with it. Oh no, listen. If you're going to have a jar of Nutella, there's only one way to open it. I eat that and that's <coughs> open it up and eat it from, a, from it with a spoon. I can't oh. even get the words out. That's how excited I get about it. No way. Jar of Nutella. Just with a spoon, man. Unbelievable. You wouldn't get me down it, man. <clears throat> I found a coffee I like now. Really? Just on Nutella. Yeah, it's hazelnut flavoured coffee, which is... Do you like coffee? I hate coffee. Uh, but you like this coffee? like this coffee. Coffee runs straight through me, man. Oh, yeah. I've tried to drink coffee in the past because I've been told that's what grown-ups do. <laughs> and uh, and uh, grown-ups wouldn't thank you for a cup of tea. And I resent those people. Yeah. But uh, So I've tried to drink coffee before and I just couldn't couldn't take it at all. But oh, I was at, a, at the Leinster-Munster match there at the weekend. They had hazelnut coffee that. at the match. Well, they have like an insomnia or whatever in the Aviva Stadium oh. or Lansdowne Road now, as we should refer to it. Yeah, I uh, was there with a the lovely Oksana, and she, at half time, said, "I'm going to get myself something. Do you want that?" And I was like, "Well, no, I'm all right." She's like, "Do you want a tea or that?" And I was like, "No, no, I'm good, I'm good." She comes back with a coffee, and it smelt amazing. Like the smell of the coffee. Yeah, around. that's the thing. I like the smell of coffee. Yeah, but some of the times the taste it. Like, so I decided I was going to be brave, and I was like, "Listen, that smells great. Give us a sip there, will you?" 
took one sip of it and I was like, you're not getting this back. What's in this? <laughs> <laughs> what liquid magic have you? Is this is this unicorn? Like, what is this? Is a unicorn doing something in this cup? You're not getting this back. <laughs> and she was like, that's a, a hazelnut latte with some sort of shot and two sugars. Be open. And I was like, this is delicious. So I took another sip. It was three quarters the way through the cup and I, I was getting a pair of boots and shouting at Leo Cullen, Leo, I'm good, I'm good to go, mate. <laughs> Jack McGrath's looking tired. Nah, I can play toy head. If, if Lucy's all right, I'll play toy. You know what I mean? Rare in the goal was. They didn't need me. They won 16-13. <laughs> so they banished the evil of the Colchies back to, back to the bog it's for another little while. It's mad the culture in even like the professional working place. There's no more... Uh, we have to have a meet, and it's like, uh, do you want to go down for a coffee? Yeah, do you want to go for a coffee? No, and see, and coffee. That's, that's what I'm saying. For so long, I felt awkward with that, and I've gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go and they get a coffee, and they go, do, do you want one? I'm like, no, just a bottle of water. Yeah, that's what I'd be like. And then they look at you and say, they look at you and have 10 heads. I don't drink coffee. Yeah. You don't drink coffee? Yeah. As they have, the, I'm only fifth one. It's, yeah. it's only As quarter hand, past the nine. Hand, the hand is shaking and twitching. And yeah, all twitching. Like, quarter past nine in the morning, under fifth coffee. Mad go away from me. Couldn't be dealing with that. Zoop. Anyway. That's housekeeping. <laughs> we go straight into the interview. 25 minutes of housekeeping this week. <laughs> straight into the interview. Are we going straight now? Because you have to talk about drugs and sport. If we're talking about coffee and drugs, we might as well talk about drugs and sport. Oh, I see, I see the segue there. Amateur segue, but it'll have to do, won't it? Because, look, one of the biggest news stories this week really? was uh, the old doctor in London who went on a mad one, allegedly. We have to use the word allegedly a lot yeah, in this segment. Yeah. Um... So, allegedly, over 150 elite sport athletes have benefited from this man's medical practice, I guess you could call it. Dr. Mark Bonner. I was going to say Bonner. Bonner. Dr. Mark Bonner. Of, uh, Irishman. Irishman, yeah, of uh, UCD and National University of Ireland trained. So, so what, 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 are they have, what are they have alleged to have been given or taken? Oh, everything. Really? Everything. Like, name, name all the fancy drugs there and I'll tell you which ones. Like EPO and all oh, that? Oh, Jesus, yeah, loads of that. That's mental, isn't it? And do you know that stuff Lionel Messi was on? Yeah. HGH. HGH. Human, human growth hormone. Yeah. Loads of that. But nobody cares if it's Lionel Messi, because God forbid you say a bad thing about Lionel Messi, the drugs cheat. I'll say it. I don't care. Liable or not. So he what's the story it, look, hang with... On, hang on, can I just... He took it as a teenager with Barcelona. That's documented. That's proof. If he did, he's a drugs cheat. Boom. And... um. Did he definitely take it, Lionel Messi? Yeah. Um, what did Maria Sharapova, why, why, why was she banned recently? Uh, Sharapova was banned for being too gorgeous. <laughs> 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 no, she allegedly was on some sort of medicine to treat some sort of, I think it was like blood pressure or blood So are any athletes clean anymore? I would say very, very few of them. Clean. I don't think there's any sport in the world right now that can say 100% test every single athlete and we will pass everything that you throw at us. I don't think so. Rugby's not clean. Football's not clean. Horse racing's not clean. MMA isn't clean. It's mad because the, 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 there's a few name checks of a few uh, Premier League football clubs like yeah. where you said Arsenal's players, Chelsea players, Leicester players have all... And they've all came out. And is see, it the, well, see, what's the time frames of all this? How do you mean? Like, when did he do it, or like when? Well, when is it alleged to have taken place? Well, this is the thing. UCAD, the UK anti-doping uh, body, they're like the USADA or whatever you want to call it for the UK. Like, they were made aware of this back in 2014 and didn't act on it. 
And that, I suppose, is where maybe a little bit of the kind of what the, is going on here comes from. But in saying all that, the accusations labelled at Premier League clubs and all that kind of thing, it's unsubstantiated in truth. It's just this doctor who... Is, is any of it... I don't know. Like, I do think there, there, there's some merit in the sense of... I do think it would be that easy for Why somebody... Why has he come out and said it now? Because they're calling him a whistleblower, seen, aren't they? No, he's not the whistleblower. That's a little bit of confusion. The whistleblower was somebody who went to UCAD and said, this doctor has offered me performance-enhancing drugs. And he's saying to me he's offered various other people performance-enhancing drugs. What's going on? UCAD ignored it. And he went to them again a second time. Or they, rather, to be politically correct. Went to them a second time. Um, same thing again. UCAD more or less ignored it. So he went to the Sunday Times. And the Sunday Times then decided they were going to go for a proper old-fashioned sting investigative journalism at its finest. Send somebody in with a recording device. Get some info. Meet a couple of times with the recording device. You know, all undercover. Your man doesn't know what's going on. Record it all. And then, boom. Splash a story out there. Man, so, <laughs> Is there going to be a, a program on this? Like BBC Panorama or I'd, I'd, I'd imagine, those things? I'd imagine there probably would be, to be honest with you. But, like... The simple fact is that this doctor said to this undercover whistleblower type thing that the Sunday Times sent in, yeah, look, you know, we've treated over 150 elite athletes. Someone come from these football clubs, blah, 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 blah. And the Times contacted the football clubs to see, like, what their yoke is on it. And uh, all the clubs denied it as they would. Um, So those allegations from that doctor at the moment are unsubstantiated okay like i mean i could say i was in old traffic the other week and gave a load of performance enhancers to the squad yeah there's no did do much for them yeah no (laughs) (laughs) but there's no truth or there's no there's no proof so why are people running with the story then because i think deep down everybody knows that sport in general is not clean yeah like look at athletics like like paul paul howard has said yeah exactly chapter chapter three with us way back when when we first started he's on chapter 40 now and that was chapter three yeah. We'll have to get him back on. Oh, we will. He's a gent. Um, yeah, Paul Howard talking about athletics and talking about the Olympics and his opinion. He was talking about uh, Michelle De Bruyne smith or yeah. Michelle smith De Bruyne or whatever you want to call her these yeah. days. Talking about her case in particular, but he made the point that the Olympics is somewhat of a... Riddled. Yeah. And because I, I find it very... Um, I find it annoying where you hear most recently Rob Heffern and the Irish Walker... Um, like being awarded a medal four years later four years later yeah. it's crazy isn't it well that's what I was going to say like the Russians have been absolutely pinged for what is effectively systematic doping you know and but they don't want to investigate that do they it's not that they don't want to investigate it it's more so just that it's all retrospective what can they do so but the interesting fact about that is that UCAD the UK anti-doping people were the ones who were given kind of the, the program or given the kind of thing of rehabilitate them, get them back up to where they should be and have them on the straight and narrow. And then all this comes out and UCAD are kind of like, oh, ooh, what have we done? Nothing is the answer, UCAD. Nothing. I went for dramatic journalism there. Did it come off? It did, it work? came off. Yes. <laughs> it's mad. Watch this space and see what happens. Then. Yeah, but like, do you think... Do you think all sports? Do you think any sport is clean? If you look at any sport at face value, do you think? I didn't. I didn't really. Uh, I haven't thought about it much over the years. 
Um, I suppose Paul, when we spoke to Paul Howard briefly about um, drugs yeah. and sports, that kind of opened me eyes to it a bit. Um, I almost felt a bit disappointed, like, yeah, like morally and, you know, the these people like that we are looking up to or yeah. kids are looking up to, but it's a bit like they're cheating. But at the same time, like, I seen Maria Sharapova's press conference a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And she had the stuff that was in her system she'd been consuming it for five or six years of her career when she was allowed but then whoever was doing the the testing upgraded their their list yeah and, and that was now on the list new so rules came out at christmas new or rules, like that. yeah she new didn't rules. bother her checking them she didn't yeah. check them because she's been taking it for, for most of her career so that, um, where's the fair like i know it's up to you it's, it's up to every athlete to, to mm. check what it's, you're putting into your body but well, the perfect case. Why, why did I upgrade the the list? Well, they have to, don't they? Why though? Well, if why they, was it not on the list before? And now it is because if they stand still or if they just leave a list alone and say, "Right, that's it. That's all the performance enhancers there is." Like mm. people are going to find ways of manipulating stuff that's out there, creating new stuff to evolve that and get your body to react to it, and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. do you think this? Do, do you think the human growth hormone? Um, that you're saying Messi took. Yeah. Do you think it's p- performance enhancing? 100% it's performance enhancing. Yeah. Why would it be on the banned list if it wasn't? Well, so why was he taking it? I thought, I, I read that he was taking it for his height. Yeah, he's technically a pygmy. What's a pygmy? You know, really small bloke. Yeah, but... He's not actually a pygmy. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was just, how is it... Um, it's probably derogatory. I don't know. Well, you can edit if you need to. Um, no, I'll leave it in and just say allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um... Satire. How is helping your height? I suppose that's more. That could be more so for mental health. Um, ah, now hang on, right now. See, now see, this is the thing, and this is where I have a problem with this, right? But if, if he's being bullied for being no, no, no but hang on, height, hang and on if he can second. help that, but hang I on. don't know how it helps his skill as a footballer. It's not necessarily that it helps his skill. What it does is it helps him increase size, increase mass, builds the strength, so he's able to play. Mm. If Messi didn't take all this stuff... Now, granted, Messi is small, I, I gather, in terms of professional sport anyway, like mm. in terms of size anyway. Yeah, his com- yeah, complexion is quite... You know, but... Um, without, without taking HGH as a teenager and as a child, he wouldn't be anywhere near the size he is now. Like, he, he did probably have some sort of deficiency or something. And I'm not saying on medical grounds he shouldn't have been given that. And I'm not saying that... He should have to suffer or not like that. It was a case that I would have meant he was suffering as a child. But what I'm saying is, it is unfair to say he is not a drugs G because he wouldn't be the footballer he is without that treatment. Really? That's what I'm asking. Has it that much of an effect on his performance to be a skillful footballer? He wouldn't be able to compete where he is now because he wouldn't have... The size, or he wouldn't have. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the them, muscle mass. Where does it? Where does it end? Then you know, because that I don't believe he took it. He took it, in my opinion, from what I read, for mm. a better quality of life. Not, yeah, for, better, not to a better, be a, a better quality of life. That not to be a footballer. A better quality. Of, Barcelona would want to pay for it. He knew. He knew what he was doing. Come okay, on. I get you. I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Do you see what I'm like, saying, though? No, I do. I understand that. And a better quality of life, absolutely. And I have no objection at all to people taking medication if they need that medication. But what I do have an objection to is somebody who takes medication, paid for by a professional sports club, with the ambition of going on to become a professional athlete, oh knowing that this product they are taking is going to help them 
and yet nobody else is allowed to have that product. Yeah, I get. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's a there's there's just so many um like the the list is updated every couple of years and it's yeah. just like like I mean, were they were they not cheating six years ago when they were take, taking it? Yeah, Sharapova no. won a lot of uh, tennis yeah, tournaments, yeah. so is she now a cheat? Well, that's that's going to be. Been, the what's she twenty seven? now? she be given a two year ban? Yeah, no, nah, she's older than twenty seven, is she? Well, I was shocked because I thought she was in her thirties. Yeah, it seems no, like I suppose she's been yeah, she's been playing since she was like sixteen or seventeen. It actually, hasn't she? It seems like she's been around for ages. Yeah, um, actually, I was I was amazed to learn. Actually, it was uh, Dean Zambra pointed it out to us. Uh, through at WTS pod on Twitter, that she was the highest paid female athlete in the world yeah, last year. That, yeah, Which I, I was, it was weird, like I never would have thought she was, but then when I'm told that, I'm kind of going, well, who else is there? And now all those endorsements are being risked, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they are, absolutely. Which, did she lose them all, the endorsements? Well, I think a lot of people cut toys with her, like, I, I'm fairly sure Nike, in 28, Jesus, I'm fairly sure Nike cut toys with her anyway, but, uh, like, even look at MMA and look at the situation with Yoel Romero at the moment, where yeah, he tested positive, but he was able to prove that it was a tainted batch from a supplement he was taking. The supplement is legal, it's just the batch was tainted. So, you saw How do you prove that, like? Because, I can't remember actually how they proved it, but you saw have gone from giving him what should be the proper ban to saying, okay, no, we accept that. Look, at the end of the day, the supplement was, or the, the tainted supplement was in your system. So, <laughs> technically, you still did have a performance enhancing a nip, but we understand that was out of your control, so we're going to reduce your ban. Looks like he's going to be able to fight again come But it's come to summer, but I read, the, I read the headline, and I was like, oh my God, this sounds ridiculous. It sounds so corrupt that there was, it would, there was a settlement to allow him yeah. half the ban, like. I don't know. It was less it was than half the ban. It was only, I yeah, think the initial like, ban was two years, but then it's like. It's going to be less than a year in total that he serves. Like, but I think, in fairness, if it's out of his control in that situation and they aren't able to directly prove that, yeah. like they had absolutely no knowledge of this at whatever, it was a tainted batch. The company have come out and said, this taint was completely our fault and we didn't release the information to say there was a tainted batch out there. But then is it, a, if Messi's a minor, is it against his? No, because they, they knowingly knew exactly what HGH does and they put that into you. Yeah, but he probably didn't know because he was only a child. No, he had to have known. Sure, he went to Barcelona because they were willing to pay for the treatment. Okay. Drugs cheap. I think you're being a bit harsh on it. I don't. I <laughs> out now, don't. Uh, and there's people out there But as, as, as I say that, I'm being hypocritical because I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. What you're saying makes sense. But I just think I'm looking at it from a standpoint where he's like, or his family are like, oh, look. Because I've seen pictures of him as a 12-year-old. He's tiny. He is tiny. And that's what I'm saying. For the quality of life thing and all that, I'm not denying anybody any sort of access to medical. Absolutely, you should get it. You should need it. If you need it, you should get it kind of thing. But I object to the fact that he's hailed as this hero and this wonder kid and all these other things when he wouldn't have that without this. Mm. Yet nobody else was allowed to take this because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. So, and people are going to probably say, oh, yeah, but... Like, Barcelona were the ones that were willing to pay for it, and that was the only way he could get it, because nobody else could afford it. Okay, fine. But what about the kids out there who don't show all the talent for football and have a problem, and nobody can afford medicine for them? At the end of the day, they were willing to do it because they seen something that they would get out of it. Mm. And they didn't do it for charity. Investment. Exactly, they didn't see it for charity. They'd done it because they seen potential, and as it turns out, they were right. There's a shitload of potential there. We spoke about this before, did we? I think so. 
<laughs> it just falls in line with the whole story of the your man, the whistleblower. Yeah, exactly. Um, but look, that's just. Will we go to the guest. That's just my opinion. Yes. Enough about that. Let's get on to happier things. Yeah. Who's our guest things. this week, Danny? I'm excited. Genuinely, gen- genuinely, genuinely excited. Um, you might know that I like rugby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you might know that I like Leinster. Yeah. And you might know that I like Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not like love. Love. Love being um, an apt word. Um, and our guest this week happens to be able to have played a part in all of those things for me in my days growing up watching this. In more recent years, he has been in France coaching a team in the top 14, a league that I love to watch because it's just fantastic rugby. Where can you watch the top 14? On BT and Sky. BT and Sky. Oh, right. I didn't know yeah. they had that. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, But, yeah, he's a, a Heineken Cup winner, a Challenge Cup winner, two-time Magners League. That's what the Pro 12 was before it was the Pro 12. Mm. The Celtic League. Two-time Celtic League winner. And uh, capped nine times for Ireland. Bernard Jackman. You. Absolute legend of a man. He is a man who um, was given legend status by the official Lancer Supporters Club. Now, that might not mean anything to some people, but essentially, the Lancer Supporters Club, nearly every season, produce a series of legends t shirts where they nominate one player and they make a t shirt for that player. It goes on sale and then they stick it up in the bar and it becomes this legend thing. And not, not everybody is bestowed with this honour. Mm. Bernard Jackman is one of the ones who has been. People used to sing Jackman to the team of the Batman song to him. No that's, what, that's what the crowd used to sing. Yeah, Very good. But um, <coughs> he's currently the head coach at Grenoble. Is it Grenoble or Grenoble? Well, I like to pretend I can speak French. <laughs> so I say Grenoble. <laughs> you don't, you like, don't pronounce the L and the E. I was going to say, like, you don't pronounce the L and the E. But then if I'm talking to people <laughs> who I get like, self-conscious around, they're like, oh, you know that Grenoble bunch? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Grenoble, but with a B. <laughs> Uh, he's the head ho- head coach at Grenoble. Um, he's leading a little bit of an Irish revolution there. With, he's got uh, three players, uh, Dennis Coulson, um, Chris Farley and James Hart. Mike Prendergast, Irish coach over there with him as well. And most recently he's had uh, Paul O'Connell, no less, for company, um, which we'll talk to him a little bit about. But uh, he retired due to concussion, concussion injuries. So. Well. Hot we've, topic at the moment. We've been talking quite a lot about concussion, and we said we get somebody on who's maybe a little bit of an authority on this. And yeah. given Bernard Jackman was quite outspoken about it, I suppose um, at the time, or maybe maybe not outspoken. He talked about it in his, in his book Blue Blood, which uh, documented kind of in diary form his last season with Leinster, and uh, he certainly helped himself and John Fogarty, who was another hooker at Leinster who retired because of concussion. The two of them certainly helped to shine a light on concussion in rugby. At a time when maybe there was nobody looking for the torch. You know what I mean? Very good, yeah. So... Which, like, when did he retire? Yeah, uh, 2010. So, like, that's six years ago, so... Yeah. He he led the concussion, kind of... He's certainly one of the people who campaign. helped lead, lead the charge, so to speak. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, But, for me, it's a real, real kind of honour to speak to this man. And I genuinely, genuinely mean that. So, sit back, relax, and all the way from France, listen to the beautiful dulcet tones of a Leinster legend, hmm. the one and only Bernard Jackman. 
So our guest this week is Leinster legend um, and current Grenoble head coach, Bernard Jackman, who's joined us from France. Bernard, thanks for your time this evening. Really appreciate it. No problem, Danny. Pleasure to be on. You had a good win at the weekend against Oyana. Controversial sending off at the end, I believe. Yeah, we did. We um, Oyana is a derby match for us. Uh, um, they're an hour and a half um, across towards the towards the Swiss border, so it's always a it's always a tough game. It's the first time we've we've won there um, in in six years, and uh, yeah, they've had a tough season. They they obviously had a brilliant year last year, got into the Champions Cup, but lost their coach. Uh, over the over the summer, he went to Cast and he took uh, three or four of his best players with them, and then they sacked the the new coach after after six games. A fellow called Olivier Zam used to play for Gloucester and play for France, and um, he just have haven't been able to get a run of games going. But the game against us at the weekend was their last chance to um, probably to get a win to try and try and stay in the top fourteen and. Uh, they they certainly came out came out of the blocks firing and we you know we, we had a lot of chances we we um we we let we didn't take the the couple of opportunities that would have killed the game off and, and we ended up um you know getting into a bit of a battle and it was it was twenty twenty with with three minutes to go but uh, yeah. thankfully we managed to to pull a try out of the bag but the controversial issue was yeah with with ten minutes to go um, one of their players uh, Sivan Tian was let was yellow carded. Um, and he just lost the plot completely. He uh, he abused the referee, and he rightly got a red card. And um, and uh, as he was leaving the pitch, he he continued to abuse the referee. And after the game, um, he tried to try to get onto the pitch. It was like something you'd see at a at a GA match. Uh, <laughs> oh my um, gosh! But uh, thankfully, security kept him kept him away. And uh, Trevor Brennan. I think he's looking at a, he's facing a long ban now, which is which is probably a sad way. I think he's thirty five. I think he was finishing up. At the end yeah. of the season, anyway. So um, I don't know whether it was premeditated. He wanted to go out with a bang, but <laughs> he's certainly um, he certainly made a reputation for himself. As well, it, it kind of worked out in your favour, I suppose, with regards. Yeah, to it was. Thing, we, you know? it was good. Yeah, it was. We um, it's a synthetic pitch, and and um, it's the only one in the top fourteen. Uh, yeah. And he can play on it. It's not it takes a while to get used to it, but uh, it, it leads to high tempo. Um, rugby and we we like to keep the ball in hand so when they had a, a man less uh, we also felt we that we they picked a very big heavy side and we felt the last 20 minutes our fitness would tell so um, thankfully it proved to be right and, and to get an away win in, in the top 14 is, is incredibly hard but that's our fourth this year and it's yeah. our third win in a row and um, it sets us up nicely now for, for the last six games uh in the top fourteen, which obviously we'll we'll start looking at after after we play Connacht this weekend. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we, we'll touch on to those in a little bit, um, especially the game against Connacht. Um, I I got a text off a couple of lads over the weekend when I said I was kind of doing a bit of prep for this. Um, I was at the Leinster Munster match in the Aviva, so I didn't get to see any of the the highlights or anything from mm. from the Grenoble game, but. Uh, Irish fans would have seen a familiar face on a coaching ticket this weekend in the shape in the shape of Paul O'Connell. Is it just a kind of short term, or can you can you give no, us I any insight? I think uh, Paul Paul and I go back a long way. Uh, we toured um, South Africa with the Irish colleges yeah. uh, in ninety ninety eight ninety nine, um, and obviously I you know managed to I spent a good bit of time with him in Irish squads over the years, and um, he's a guy that. Obviously, uh, I think can make a, a brilliant coach. But what 
this weekend, this week or last week was just about him getting a, fam- a break away with his family. And uh, um, in Ireland, obviously, professional players can't aren't allowed to ski. Um, whereas in France, and uh, they don't put it in your contract. So I think for his family, they never had that opportunity to to go on a ski holiday. Um, and with the kids being off school last week, he he felt it was a great time to to bring them to France. Don't forget that they were supposed to move to France to play for Toulon. Yeah, that's um, right. Too. So probably for his family point of view, you know they they had. Uh, expected to be moving lock stock and barrel to france for an adventure and um while that doesn't look like it's likely to happen now certainly not to to don as a player um i think he just saw it was a really good opportunity to come over he's friends with mike prendergast um as well they're they're they go back a long way so he brought over his family and he spent you know a week kind of half and half between between us down here and looking at how we operate and um the rest of the time up in the in the ski slopes, um, letting his family ski. He's still not able to ski himself because of his injury, but uh, he certainly enjoyed it. And I think it was great for us to have someone like him just around the place. And um, you know, we've got some young locks who are uh, one lock who's who's on the French under twenty squad this year. We have another lock who we believe can can be a you know a first team player for us. So Paul was just able mm. to do do a little bit of technical work with them um, give them some some pointers and uh, he's a very bright guy he, he'll make a phenomenal coach if that's what he decides to go into um, but no unfortunately uh, there was nothing there's nothing more concrete uh, <laughs> than it was a passing visit but that happens our club is very open I've been lucky enough to, to get away and spend time with the Stormers in, in Cape Town yeah. uh, the Queensland Reds I spent time in New Zealand and I loved the opportunity to go into other other environments and look and see how other coaches uh, prepare and organize their their sessions, their weeks, um, and their planning and their reviews and previews. Whereas, uh, and and it's important for us to be open. And so we every week we have different coaches coming through here. And um, to be honest, they come in sometimes, most of the time, thinking they're going to pick up something, but often we pick up more from them. So it's yeah. a very open learning environment and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he enjoyed it. I hope he did anyway. So, so he won't be joining the Irish Revolution you have down there just yet, uh, anyway. No, not not yet. No. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, if you can kind of rewind the clock a little bit, Bernard, in and talk about uh, your own playing career, um, a decorated career at that, obviously with Connacht, Sale Sharks, and then of course legend status achieved at Leinster, even um, receiving the treatment from the fans of your own T-shirt in the Legend series. You've won a Challenge Cup, Heineken Cup two Celtic leagues and capped for Ireland as well. It's a glittering career, really. But when you look back on it, is there anything that you kind of regret about it or was there anything that um, you think, yeah, if we had done this differently, we could have maybe got a little bit more out of it? Um, it's, I think that's... For me, uh, I never thought it was going to be a pressure. We player, when I left school, um, I hadn't played Irish schools. Ruby wasn't even professional. I was... I was looking at trying to, you know, get a good degree and and get a get a job in finance. So I started off doing international marketing in Japanese, but I loved the game and I I joined Lansdowne and then I ended up joining Clontarf because it was closer to closer to DCU and um, Brent Pope um, had a big influence on my career. And just I, I suppose the club started Clontarf started to take off and thankfully I suppose I started to develop um, under Popey and. Uh, Ruby went professional kind of overnight, and and um, Warren Gatland 
through kind of bizarre circumstances, ended up getting the Connacht job because Eddie O'Sullivan um, couldn't agree a deal with Connacht at the last minute. He wanted a three-year contract. They mm-hmm. only wanted it for a year. And Gats um, had actually, Warren Gatlin was actually player coach for Goalwegians and we played against him in the All-Ireland League that year and he came off the bench against me um, as a 36 or 37-year-old because there was injuries. And that 20 minutes that I played against him, uh, when he when he took over the Connacht job and he realised they were short a, a hooker on their on their roster, um, he remembered me and he rang Popey, and uh, Popey gave me a good reference and he he get, took a chance on me. So I had a kind of a fortu- uh, fortuitous route into it, um, and then I suppose at the start I probably wasn't as fo- uh, it was very difficult to start because I decided to finish my my degree. So I was commuting from Galway to DCU, um, which is you know, I ended up getting my degree, but uh, I wasn't able to focus, you know, 100% on on rugby. And when you're, I suppose, a young, a young player, and you're trying to, you're trying to get those gains physically that you need. Um, spending the road wasn't as good. Obviously, this is back in in uh, 99, uh, 99, yeah, 98, 99. The road to Galway was a was a four and a half hour spin, and uh, you know, to do a heavy training session and hop in the car to go to D- Dublin to to go to lectures or you know to get projects done and then go back that night or go back early in the morning it just wasn't conductive to yeah it's not probably ideal, uh, yeah. maximizing your your development so i probably have, i missed out probably two years when i tried to do that but having said that um you know I, I i'm happy now i ended up with a degree because there was no way of of knowing how how my career would have worked out and whether um I would have lasted as long as I did, and then also would I have got a job opportunity in coaching. So I think it's a tricky balance. I think it's much better now because the academy system um, is more geared towards guys being able to to do both. Whereas then I I I, I was on a professional contract, and it was really just the fact that Gatland was so so keen in education that he was able to give me that little bit of flexibility. But because of the fact that my university was in Dublin and my my base was in Galway it was a little bit tricky um, but after that I think uh, I went to Sail Sharks that was brilliant we had two great years there but I was out of sight out of mind and um, decided to come back to Ireland to, to try and get international honours and uh, that obviously happened when I you know when I joined Leinster then I got captain in 2005 and um, I suppose the only really regret is that in Leinster it probably took us three years under check it to um, get our get our culture right and, and uh, get that work ethic and, and level of excellence that you need. And 2008, we won the Magnus League, and then obviously, you know, we built on that in 2009. But I think, you know, in 2005, 2006, 2007, Leinster probably had the talent to to be winning silverware. Yeah. Uh, but culture is a it's not an exact science, um, and it's it's something that's very hard to measure, but it's it's massively important. I think that Cheka was the the right man at the right um, at the right time to start to get that right, and then obviously Joe Schmidt came in after Cheka, and he added he added to it, and 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 for for four or five years, Leinster were the um, you know were the dominant force in European rugby, which isn't easy. Uh, Bernard Graham here. Um, I just heard you there saying you studied Japanese. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I, um, international marketing in Japanese. I did that for two years, and then um, I was supposed to go to Japan for my third year to do six months in college, six months in work, and then come back um, and do my fourth year in, in DCU. 
and actually I was about to go to Japan. I was supposed to go to Japan in June, and in April, that was when Warren Gatlin rang me, and and I said to Warren, "Listen, I'm going to Japan in in June." Wow. And he said, "Listen, um, at this stage, the RFU didn't really want to become professional. It was uh, they were actually anti it. They voted against it, but the rest of the um, the majority voted for it. So they kind of went into professional rugby." Um, Kicking, uh, kicking, uh, kicking her heels a little bit. So it was, ve- it was on very uh, shaky foundations that rugby started professionally in Ireland. And, and originally there was um, only twenty full-time players, five in each province, and there was part-time contracts. And uh, I explained to Warren that, you know, the conundrum for me was the fact that I was supposed to go to Japan um, for for a year. And in fairness to him, he said, "Listen, um, no one knows." if rugby's going to take off or not, professional rugby's going to take off in Ireland, it actually could be just something that was there for a year or two. If you go to Japan, you know, you could miss that opportunity to be one of only 20 guys who are ever professional rugby players in Ireland. Um, and also, uh, if you if you go to Japan, the guy who takes your place will be a year ahead of you. There's no guarantee that when you come back from Japan, the, there'll be opportunities open, but yet he was very conscious of, of the importance of education because he was a school teacher himself um, before he became a, a professional rugby coach. And the compromise was that I would be able to f- transfer into business studies and um, in DCU, which I had. So I'd already done. I had already spent two years doing international marketing in Japanese. A lot of the business subjects were were similar, so they gave me a year off basically a business studies degree, which was uh, a three-year degree instead of a four-year degree. And I ended up getting out at the same time. But it was really his his advice and flexibility because uh, that, that let me do uh, do both, whereas I think it would have been a hard decision to make if if it was one or the other. Absolutely. It's, it sounds fascinating, all right, that, that element of it. But you mentioned uh, Michael Checker there as well, Bernard. Um, obviously now he's the head coach with Australia. Um during his time at Leinster and in your last season, your book, Blue Blood, which came out around 2010, I think it was, um, you mentioned a little bit of a run-in with Checkit, where, it, now correct me if I'm wrong, but it was almost along the lines of him telling you he'll decide if and when you'll retire. Was that kind of the abrasive nature of Checkit, or was that an isolated incident? No, that was that was um, that was his, his uh, manner of of uh, running his operation and in fairness I think I respect him now probably for more uh, more than I did at the time because um, I realise now that you know as a as a head of a, of an organisation you have to have tunnel vision and you have to um, demand probably more of people than um, that would, would normally be the case so what he you know, it, it ended badly uh, between us, but it often does in, in, in professional sport yeah. um, because uh, the player always believes um, he should be playing, and, and and the coach has to has to make uh, make his own decision and pick the team he feels is is right. And at the end, you know, I, I felt that um, there was nothing to be gained for me to to play uh, another um, another. Uh, Magnus League final, or um, because the, the hookers who were going to be there the following year were all fit and ready, and I'd already, um, mm. I was already finishing up. But he, 
which is his strength, and I, I appreciate it now. You know, he just he just wanted to do what was best. He felt for the team to help the team win. Um, and obviously, I had uh, I was struggling a little bit, a lot with injury. I didn't feel it was a best decision for me um, to to take any more risks. And you know, we 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 ended on bad terms. But I think now I've got a lot more clarity in terms of what he actually did for for um, for Leinster and what he has done at the Waratahs and what he's done in Australia. And I, I think that 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 uh, level of of, of drive um, and probably not accepting any not accepting um, not, not mediocrity, but not accepting anything that uh, would interfere with his mission to be successful. Uh, I think it's a big part. It's a foundation in in terms of why he's so good. Uh, so uh, I, I, there's no hard feelings mm. there anymore. At the time, obviously, I was I felt uh, he could have handled it differently. But I suppose um, now I can see completely his his point of view. It's kind of like uh, Roy Keane and Alex Ferguson, is it, Bernard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think obviously a lot less pro high, lower profile. But uh, <laughs> I think listen, these things as said, there's very few people get to write their own uh, exit. Um, yeah. or choose their own exit, and uh, you know it's important that. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't it didn't what didn't finish the way I would have liked, but it doesn't doesn't. Uh, I, I have no grudge now, and uh, I look back on, on all my career um, with a uh, with a lot of happy memories, and um, you know I hope my my coaching career can can uh, can finish in, in, uh, with the same the same uh, feeling feeling at the end. Have you crossed paths with Cheka since then at all, or have you? No, we haven't actually bumped into each other. No, um, oh. but I'm sure. Listen, the Ruby World is a small. small <laughs> uh, nah, listen, I, I'd like to think that we can um, we can have a coffee, or he's not a great man for for a beer. But I'd like to think that when we bump into <laughs> each other, we'll uh, we'll we'll chew the fat. And um, for sure, listen, he he, without Cheka, I wouldn't have. Um, Iron Cup medal, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I probably might have got caps so, up. Um, he, he he made me a lot better player, and I, I he made Leinster a lot better team. So I've yeah. got massive respect for him. I suppose if if uh, Baden and Gatland can somewhat bury the hatch out, I suppose there's no reason anybody else can't. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. In the the final couple of seasons, Bernard, you are rather well after you retired. You certainly were one of the most vocal people about um, concussion in the sport, which even since you've retired has gained a lot more momentum, and there seems to be a lot more focus and. People are shining a light in that area of the game. In your final couple of seasons, you were concussed a number of times. Do you think that there's enough being done around concussion in rugby at the moment? Yeah, I think it's thankfully it's um, it's massively uh, the awareness of, of concussion has changed. You know, that's probably one of the things that I wanted to try and build on, on a, when I finished was just that awareness of, of the fact that it's actually a serious injury and it's not something that uh, we can, you know, uh, just ignore. Um, and thankfully, I know it's it's uh, six years six years later, but now I don't think there's anybody playing rugby who isn't aware of the of the potential side effects of it. Um, you know, the coaches who are coaching underage mini rugby are... I'm more aware of how how dangerous it is, and that's like that's all I wanted to do was to, I suppose, to help educate and, and particularly for not for the pros. We're lucky. Pros are lucky in that they have really good medical care, 
um, you know, full-time doctors, um, two or three physios, access to to MRI scans, you know, at, at short notice. Um, you know, it's they're very lucky, but it's the it's the kids who who play a schools match or a, or you know a mini rugby game and they get a knock and and if what they were seeing was they were seeing pros get a get a bang get a concussion getting up wobbling or being obviously um, not in not in in a good shape and sometimes playing on um, and I felt that, or playing the next week and. Um, I just felt that it was important because at the time, some of those, uh, not not to the level now in terms of the, the court cases with the NFL hadn't actually happened yet, but uh, there was data coming out from research in, in American football, um, which was starting to, to show that um, there could be long-term side effects. And uh, for me, I just felt, listen, let's just make sure that it's a contact sport, it's a collision sport. Let's make sure that... Um, Particularly the non-professionals uh, understand, you know, how serious. It is. Just because you can't, uh, you know, you, you can go to work with it, or you know, you can go to college. Uh, you're not wearing a sling. Doesn't mean it's not a serious injury. If anything, you know, it's it's more serious than a than a broken bone or a or a or a torn or a torn ligament because um, it's it's something that long term can come back. To, to haunt you so that's why I, I i got involved with brain uh brain injury ireland and um i'm glad now that you know it's it's taken off massively and it's uh it's something that i think there are a few have, have gotten on board and they've helped them build awareness and there's concussion clinics and uh run throughout the country and um i think the game the game as a whole is is, is a safer place because of that awareness and it, it, it's funny because we see it in in all sports as well. I mean, we had um in boxing there last or two weekends ago, Chris Eubank Jr. Um, and Chris Eubank Sr. was telling his son, you know, th- th- this opponent is gone. Don't be hitting him in the head anymore. Stay with the body. Like in all sports, like there is a responsibility there, Bernard, isn't there? Like, I mean, for example, in boxing, it possibly could have been the referee's responsibility to kind of say, look it's game over but at the same time a boxer or a footballer or a rugby player they're they want to play on they're not going to say yeah i I feel groggy do you know what i mean no absolutely i mean that's the that's the thing when you're in that moment um you feel sometimes you're invincible you're not thinking logically particularly if you're concussed but um you know most most players will will Try and convince a, a doctor or a physio or a teammate that they're okay and they can play on, but they're not in a in a good place to make that decision. That's why you know getting getting those that concussion being that ten minutes off the field, um, you know, with a medic who can who can get them away from the pitch and get them into a dressing room and and once they're already off and, and you realize and they realize that the game is going ahead without them, um, generally you know it's a, it's a much better place. Uh, to make uh, an assessment both by the medic and by the player than, you know, lying on the ground on the pitch where potentially, you know, you have teammates saying, come on, we need you, or um, just get that separation and get 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 away from that environment and make a, it gives the doctor time to, to go through his, his process of terms of his head injury assessment tests. I think it's a, it's a big, big, Big big help, and I think that referees, in fairness, it was a Leinster schools game 
where a referee felt that um, there was a player concussed. The team doctor said he wasn't, but the referee stuck to his guns and and, and made him go off. And um, it's important that no matter what official it is, whether it's a team official or whether it's a it's someone from uh, from the refereeing side of it, um, even an opposition doctor, that if they see a player who's who's blatantly um, showing symptoms, that doesn't matter how it's done, that we just get that player off. Because the, the studies show that if you're suffering from concussion and you get a second impact, so you get another impact yeah. while you're injured, that's what's the, the real dangerous one. And... Um, that's what we need to try and stop. And I, listen, I, I think the game is the game is still a great game. Obviously, the physicality is increased because um, there's better structure in terms of players. You know, have a better detail in terms of how many players in defensive rooks, better spacing, um, better technique at tackle, better transfer of, of power from from gym to pitch. Um, so the collisions are bigger. Uh, but yes, it's still incredibly safe game. Um, once you uh, once you're equipped with good technique, and the odd time that there's a, there's an accident and there's a uh, there is a collision that causes concussion, we just deal with that with with best medical practice. And you know, I think that it's after, if you do that, it's a pretty low risk game. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely it's good to hear that and it's refreshing to hear that. I, I remember uh, just I think it was maybe two years ago watching a Toulouse game uh, where Florian Fritz took a massive blow, clearly concussed, and I think after half time, Guy Noves, um, who's now the French head coach, sent him back on, much to kind of dismay of a lot of people. But um, I, I think we kind of yourself and and John Vogley maybe drawing attention to it a couple of years ago. And even now, the movie concussion certainly highlighting a lot of concerns across the water with the NFL. People are definitely a lot more conscious of the situation, and it, it's definitely uh, going to help improve things, especially for the younger uh, generation of, of upcoming rugby players and player safety and that kind of thing. Um, so I suppose, if anything, you've, you've played a part in that as well, Bernard. Um, with regard to your time at Leinster and, and your time with Ireland that Obviously, you would have been kind of on the road and away stories and that. What would the general atmosphere... I know kind of there's infamous stories of, you know, fine committees and players having to do forfeits and that kind of thing. Was there anything in particular that stands out in your memory from them? I think um, the worst worst stitch-up I got was um, my first tour with Ireland was in 98. um, Warren Gatland... uh, had obviously he'd been the Connor coach, but then he got the um, um, we had a very good season uh, with Connacht and Brian Ashton left and Warren Gatton was appointed Irish coach and he brought a, a a squad to South Africa. I was only I was only nineteen um, and you know one of the, we had a meeting one night and he just said, "Listen, the South Africans are laughing at us. We're uh, you're too pale. Um, you look you look unhealthy." <laughs> and uh, he said that when he played in New Zealand. Whenever he played against the British and Irish Lions, or when they played against the uh, European Tour side, uh, you know we, we used to laugh at how unathletic looking and uh, the teams <laughs> were. So he basically said um, he had a, he was going to make a couple of us wear a fake tan. Uh, so he picked the three widest guys, um, and uh, I can't remember who the third one was, but I was 
I was a duo with Trevor Brennan, and uh, <laughs> he gave us a bottle of uh, a bottle of fake tan, uh, but took off the instructions. So I I ended up in the room with Trevor, and so we went up to the room anyway, and we put on a, a layer, and he put he did my back, I did his. It was very 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 romantic, but uh, um, anyway, after two or three. Two or three layers. There was still no um, no sign of it coming up. So we thought, ah, it must be, it must be just moisturised or whatever. So we we put on a bit more and we woke up next morning like uh, umpa lumpas. <laughs> um, uh, so he got good crack. Uh, the team got good crack out of that. So that's kind of stuff. It's all harmless enough. But uh, when you're on tour like that, um, you need it. You know, it's it's quite monotonous. You know, you can be away for four or five yeah. weeks and um, a bit of slagging, a bit of messing. Um, helps uh, create a bit, of, a bit of team spirit. Absolutely. Was there anybody who stood out as being um, the, the kind of prankster or the messer amongst the group? Uh, Frankie Sheems uh, was a very good character. He, he um, on the way back from training every day, he'd be up the front of the bus and, uh, um, you know, there'd be snitches. Uh, so <laughs> anyone who did something stupid or... or um, Anything that could be could be fine for basically would be would be squealed someone like Frankie and you know he'd have you he'd have you up at the front of the bus to the microphone on the way home just um, guys like that would would kind of keep keep things in order and um, they never let the, uh, you know whether it was true or not wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't matter as long as it, as long as it made people laugh and and, and someone could be the butt of the jokes uh, they they let it run but uh, now nah, Frankie Frankie was a good character Kevin Mag is a good character. Um, and later years, you obviously Donico Callahan, uh, you know, would be at the heart of it as well. But it's only you know it's ten fifteen minutes just just to break it up. The rest of the time, it's it's videos, it's 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 boring, you know, massage, it's it's recovery, it's one on ones with your coaches. But uh, just we're all kids at heart, and um, we're just lucky to be to be getting paid to to play sport, I suppose. So it's a, it's it's good to have a, a bit of fun when you can. Absolutely, living the dream, as they say. We'll focus back on. Uh, you're moving into coaching then, Bernard, and you've been successful enough with Grenoble, um, and obviously this season then, kind of, whereas maybe last season, after being promoted, it was kind of more so looking to, or well, a couple of seasons ago being promoted, rather, looking towards kind of stabilising your position within the French top 14. Now it's maybe looking to see how far can we go. You've got to the knockout stages of the Challenge Cup, um, you face Connacht this weekend, and obviously, Yes, within touching distance then of maybe the playoff for the top 14. How's the mood in the camp and, and how do you see maybe the final third of the season pan out for you? Yeah, there's a really, there's a really good buzz. I think that um, as you, when, you, when you come up from Pro D2, uh, unless you're backed by a, um, a very wealthy benefactor, it's very difficult to, to break straight away into the top, top six. If you look at the only clubs who've done that, and Montpellier, Racing, and Toulon, who have all been yeah. backed by sugar daddies, and and um, you know they they spend <laughs> um, they all, they they break the salary cap and and they go out and recruit yeah. you know big names. So um, our business model is you know we only spend what we have, um, and we want to build a club um, incrementally. So it's solid foundations um, with a with a good business plan and a good a good plan on the sporting side so our first three years was about staying up so when 
when when you do that, you you target your games um, and you try and manage your best players the best you can to to win those key games. Um, and that was successful. You know, we, we stayed up, but all the time you have to uh, we had to start working was in our academy because when we were in 42, that wasn't I, I wasn't here, but um, you know that wasn't the priority. That the the focus was on trying to get the club back up, but problem is then when you get back up if you haven't been focusing on your academy um, you only have two or three years with that bunch of players uh, before you have to start to replace them so we while we were playing to stay up as such and, and, and securing our future in top 14 we were putting some work into our academy and, and that's starting to pay off now we had uh, four guys involved in the French in our 20s this year uh, whereas for the last for, since I've been here the last three seasons we haven't had any, and you know, I, I would say there's a bunch of there's a bunch of nine or ten guys there who can play top fourteen for for FCG Grenoble, which is which is great. You know, there's, there's some rough diamonds there, but you know, it's our job to to polish them. Um, I think this year, you know, we felt that we had we'd recruited some good players, uh, some of our young players had had broken through, and it was it was time to be more ambitious. And um, you know, we set ourselves a target of qualifying out of a group. Um, it's also my second year as head coach, so uh, I think it does take. I think it takes three years to really um, see your influence uh, properly on a team because to, to implement a, a new playing playing style, playing philosophy, coaching coaching philosophy, it does take time. Um, and we're a year and a half into it now, um, but at this second season, we've been able to kind of add on to things we 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 put in place last year rather than having to go back to to square one again uh, as is normal when you implement something something new so because of the fact it was my second year uh, there's more clarity in how we wanted to play um i think it was important that we had probably more ambitious uh, goals so quarter final of the of the challenge cup we've achieved that now obviously we want to go a little bit further um and our goal in terms of our our KPIs, is to make top eight in the top fourteen. We're eight at the moment with six games to go. Um, you know, top seven could get us into the Champions Cup. Top six gets us into the Champions Cup for sure and gets into the playoffs. So we can we can make top six. We have the teams who are ahead of us cast their three points ahead of us. Um, we play them at home next week. Uh, Bordeaux, who are just uh, Bordeaux and Toulouse, who are uh, sixth and fifth, uh, have to come to Grenoble as well. So it's you know the opportunity is there to have a really good final uh, end of season. Yeah. We lost two of our first choice players um, over the last two weeks uh, with with long term injuries, and that'll hurt us a little bit. But it'll give an opportunity to, to two more guys, and um, we're looking forward to Connacht's. Uh, Connacht's a bit of a freebie for us in terms of um, you know it's we're right in the middle of the of the of the final. Um, st- set of, of top 14 games we're on a block we've played the last seven weeks in a row um, and it's just nice to, to have a different opponent a different competition knock out rugby um, this week uh, obviously we're highly motivated to to win but we know that you know no matter what happens we have to beat Cast next week with, which is the a key game in our in our bread and butter of the of the top fourteen, but uh, I tell you, it's a lot nicer to be preparing for a match this weekend rather than having a weekend off, um, which yeah. you would have had if you hadn't qualified. To, to face Pat Lambs, Connacht, they they're 
They're playing well this season. Um, obviously, they're doing great in the Pro 12. Disposed of Leinster two weeks ago. And they've done well in Europe as well. It, it won't be an easy game. Is there anything in particular you'd be telling, especially kind of the Irish guys, uh, Farland and, and Dennis Coolen and that, that you have playing over there? Will, will you be telling them to watch out for anything in particular? Or is there anything that maybe you'll try to work into the game? Um, uh, no, listen, I think that the, the, the Connacht team that we're, we're playing... Um, the style of rugby they're playing under Pat Lamb. Uh, they're playing the most attractive rugby of any of the provinces in Ireland. And um, the skill level they're showing uh, and improvement in that skill level um, is, is is remarkable. Uh, very much, very much based around a, a kicking game um, and a set piece where uh, and being aggressive in defence. Whereas. Now Connacht want to have the ball in hand, and when it rains, uh, they're disappointed. Whereas before, we used to be happy. Um, and Lamb has brought through, you know, some good young players from their academy. Obviously, it's going to be it's probably a little bit disheartening from the fact they're losing, you know, Robbie Henshaw and yeah. uh, Rodney Io and Ali Muldowney next year. But he's shown that, you know, there's young guys like Ulton Dunlan, uh, who's going to Peter Rob are going to come in and you know take those guys' places. So they've got a really good work ethic. Um, they're playing good rugby and you know for them they've got Munster next week and if they beat them they look like they're going to get a home home semi-final which should be which should be absolutely massive for them and absolutely, I think yeah. they've nearly already qualified for the Champions Cup so for us it's a it's a test to play against a team who play completely differently than than most of the top 14 side which is top 14 is very much based on power um, mm. and strength whereas Connacht Connacht's about about playing with high tempo and, and, and moving teams around. Now, we're probably one of the more mobile teams in France, and uh, we like to play with ball in hand as well and, and play an attractive brand of rugby. So it's going to be, it could be a high-scoring game. Um, I hope it will be. And um, the fact that probably so many Irish people are going to be watching it um, because of the fact that no other Irish problems are playing, it's a really good opportunity for yeah. for our Irish guys like Farrell, Coulson and Hart to, um, to, to show how good they are. It should be a great match anyway. I, I know rugby fans are, are eagerly anticipating it. Um, I'm looking forward to it myself. So I don't know I don't know if we'd like to see ourselves at Connacht progress. I don't know, as a Leinster fan, it's a little bit of a, a torn allegiance there, I guess. Uh, don't but, worry, I understand. I understand. <laughs> we just hope it's a hope it's a good game and uh um I think it will be. I'd be I'd be disappointed if if um uh, the people who, who watch it aren't entertained. Uh, as I said, you know, Connacht Connacht really um Play uh, uh, an attractive style, style of rugby. Yeah. Um, we we do too. We have the fourth best attack in the top fourteen, and um, we have some guys who can really excite. And uh, we want to give those guys the the space and the opportunity to uh, to show to show their, off their talent. And um, yeah, it's it's Saturday night, nine o'clock. The weather looks good, and uh, it promises to be a cracker. Absolutely, and I suppose whatever the result, the, the ultimate goal for you guys then will be Champions Cup qualification for next season. Yeah, exactly. I think we've two ways of getting in: on top six and the top fourteen, um, win the Challenge Cup, or if a French team, if another French team, not us, win the Challenge Cup, um, or a French team wins the Champions Cup, the top seven. So um, for me, that's why I want. I want to test myself. Obviously, I'm lucky to be working top fourteen, where mm. you, you test yourself against you know some of the best teams in Europe. Um, but uh, the next level is to is to do that domestically and then challenge yourself against the best teams in Europe in the in the Champions Cup. So if we can get there this year, um, that'll be phenomenal. If not, you know that's the 
that's the project for for next season to to improve again and and um, you know really establish ourselves as a as a team that's in the top twenty in Europe. Absolutely. Well, don't don't sound too uh, dis- dismayed about it anyway, Brian. I mean, the dr- dream of the double is still on for you guys anyway, and in a possible top fourteen final in the new camp in Barcelona. Ninety-eight thousand uh, tickets sold already. It's going to be it's crazy, uh, isn't it? God, it's been bananas. It's amazing because of the European Championship football. Yeah, uh, there was no stadium available. Just a, it's just the magnitude of the, of the of the league here. It's um, you know, Paul Paul came to the game in Ajax and um, you know there was there was eleven thousand people there, um, and just the atmosphere and uh, it's just it's just me- mental in France that no matter. Where you go, uh, they're they're so insular. Like they they don't know who's top of the Guinness Pro 12. They don't know who's top of the Aviva Premiership. But you ask them anything about something local, and um, they're all over it. You know, they they same as it's the same with the French national team. You know, that's why probably under under San Andre, the fact that France were poor, mm. and he was allowed to stay in the job for four years because they're so focused on. Their club side, their, their local town, their local yeah. village, and they, uh, that's what that's what gets them going. That's what upsets them, and um, like the you know that's what it means if you have a if you run a bad games, uh, you might you mightn't uh, you mightn't see out your contract. But it's yeah. a it's a very very good place to learn because it's so it's so volatile and so pressurized. It's uh, it's great, you know. It's, it, it stimulates you in the morning. Absolutely, the, the pride of the parish, as the GAA might say. Um, I was fortunate enough actually last season to to be in Paris. I got to see uh, Stade Francais play Clermont, and um, I actually happened to just be sitting two rows over from the Clermont fans, and even just the pocket of them that travelled from the south of France up to Paris for the game, the noise was unbelievable that they created. It was brilliant, and that was only the, the Stade Chambouin, like it's not the biggest stadium compared to the camp now, so I can only imagine what the atmosphere would be like. Is there you could pull off a miracle and get there yourselves? It'd be brilliant to see. Um, and I know Irish people would definitely be supporting you that weekend anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Well, listen, Bernard, uh, we're just about out of time, so just, again, thanks so much for giving us your, your time ahead of uh, the match this weekend. Obviously, you're probably busy with everything else, but um, all the best with it, and hopefully we'll see you in the Champions Cup next season and then yeah, maybe thanks. in a couple of seasons time maybe coaching over back closer to home I suppose you never know listen good luck with the show thanks man Bernard thanks, Thank take you. care have a good day so that was Bernard Jackman head coach Akron Hall Leinster legend Ireland legend rugby legend all round good guy I really enjoyed that I sounded nervous talking to him because I was so excited I'm sorry yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely I noticed as well he said Grenoble did he say Grenoble yeah oh I feel real awkward now yeah and you said Grenoble back to him. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> so that was the nervousness. It was. It well, was. like, I mean, you're speaking to one of your heroes, so. Yeah, I loved him. He was an absolute brilliant player. Um, I don't think he got the recognition he deserved at the time of playing. I think maybe. Kind of like know. a Trevor Brennan, really, isn't he? Um, In terms of recognition for maybe, the, yeah, like maybe, eight or nine caps. Yeah. He's one name I think that he probably could have been capped a lot more. Yeah. But Sherlock, I suppose that's the way it goes. He, he didn't. I asked him, did he have any regrets? Maybe. He, you know, the only regret he mentioned was. He thinks Leinster could have won one or two more Heineken Cups in his time. I found the Japanese stuff interesting. Yeah, a bit mad that one. Yeah. Random kind of mad. Very like, random. Oh, fascinating bloke. Yeah, why would you just learn Japanese? Like business yeah. business studies in Japanese, was it? Business Japanese, he said he was doing Crazy. Well, loved lovely lad, there. lovely, lovely man. Absolute gent to talk to. And um, yeah, look, they're playing Connacht this weekend. Quarter final of the European Challenge Cup. 
wish him well in all seriousness and um, that's one as a neutral that I don't mind who wins to be honest people probably say I should want Connacht to win because you're Irish but he's got a little mini Irish revolution over there yeah you know I wouldn't I wouldn't feel hard done boy if they do you, won do you think he'll come back to Ireland for Leinster like like <sighs> Grenoble he's, he's, he's getting on so well over the last two years that yeah and he's had his contract extended until 2017 recently so well maybe in the last year You'd have to think he might. I think one day he's he's proven himself to be like um, a kind of like a Conor O'Shea type. Potentially, yeah. I mean, Conor O'Shea is after taking Daly head coach job, so he'll be joining them mm. after the end of the season with Harlequin when he finishes up with Harlequins. Um, but with Jackman, yeah, I think ultimately maybe there will be a job. Do you know Hugh? Course. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's an awful, awful, awful thing to say. Sorry. Um that won't happen again. I'd <laughs> I would love if he uh if he did take up a position closer to home. Mm. I think he's an asset and I think he's proven that with the job he's doing. Uh like they're on the cusp of making the playoffs, they're on the cusp of qualifying for the Champions Cup. Which the new camp, it's crazy, isn't it? The yeah, for the top fourteen final. How the hell is it sold out already when they don't know who the final is? Doesn't matter. That's how much the French love it. But like how does that create kind of like an atmosphere of two teams? Because you can kind of, you know, it's probably going to be one of the big two in the soil of Claremont or Toulon. Hmm. So their fans, I'd imagine, would have snapped up a lot of tickets. Okay. But then an awful lot of people would have picked up tickets purely for the occasion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a rugby cup final that's going to be played in the Camp Nou. Like. Yeah. So I don't know. I would have loved to have gone to that. You know, like I went to a Heineken Cup final. No Irish team in it, but I went to it. Like, yeah, where was that on? It was in the Aviva. It was Toulon versus Claremont. Did you get the plane or nothing? And I got the seven. Classic. Well, as I said, though, I did go to. I thought you were going to say, yeah, we went to Paris for. But I did know. Charlemagne Toulou. What? Sorry, for which team? <laughs> Charlemagne played Toulouse. Charlemagne playing Toulon. Is that what you're trying to say? Toulouse. Toulouse. Yeah. Toulouse. Is Toulouse not a team? No, no. It's almost time for us to say Toulouse. <laughs> yes. Um, no, but I went to I went to Paris to see Stade Francais play Claremont. That was a great game. Yeah, so you told Bernard. Yeah, exactly. Loved that I did. Um, but anyway, look, Bernard Jackman, absolute legend. I wish him all the best. We wish him. All the best. And hopefully they are in the Champions Cup next year. Maybe he'll get returned to the RDS. The original Tullow Tank as well. He's from Tullow County Carlow. So Sean O'Brien picked up the mantle of being a Tullow Tank then. Good old Shawnee. Anyway, Graham, we're out of time. It's been a blast. It's been real. Um, check where, it out. What? Where can you get you on social media? Hey, good man. I'm at Danjo Murray on the Twitter and on the Snapchat and all that crack. What about you? What? Where do you hang out? Get me at Merrigamania. Twitter. Swipe right every day. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story with your Tinder matches? How's that going for you? Not on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the funniest thing you've said all night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, at WTSPod on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash WTSPod Ireland. Uh, pop onto iTunes, give us a rate, give us a review, give us a subscribe, give us a share. Give us everything. Everything. Give us all your money and nobody gets hurt. Know what I mean? Spread the word. Spread the love. I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. I'm rambling. 
I'm, I'm, I've had an adrenaline bump after speaking to him. <laughs> yeah, that's what's out to happen. So anyway, look, it's been brilliant. Um, we'll be back next week. But until then, good night and God bless. Adios. <laughs>